This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Oh, let's go to, yeah, that's the first slide. Everybody, uh, good afternoon. I hope I had some lunch. How many of you have been to one of my presentations before? Okay, outstanding. How many of you are new podcasters under one year? Okay, more than 20 episodes. All right, it gives me an idea where we're going today. So I talk fast. I've got a lot of slides to go through. And really what I'm trying to give you guys today is a little bit of a background of how I've been successful on my show and what I think it takes to build a sustainable long-term podcast. And I'll give you some hardcore evidence of some of these strategies. And I'll have, at the end, six or seven action items for you to go through. So first is a little bit of an introduction. Whoops. Uh, I've been podcasting 17 years. October will make 18. So yes, I'm one of the OG old guys. But I've been live streaming as well for 10 years. I'm a founder of Blueberry Podcasting. I do three podcasts. I actually have a couple pod faded in there that we didn't list, but Geek News Central is my primary show I started with in October of four. New Media Shows, the show I do with a competitor, Rob Greenlee from Libsyn. We've been doing that for 10 years. I always tell people if they listen to that show long enough, they'll get a PhD in podcasting. And I do Podcast Insider. That's the show we do at Blueberry. But one of the unique things we'll talk about at the end is my longest continuous sponsor of a podcast. I've had GoDaddy as the sponsor of my podcast since 2005, continuously. Um, and of course, I'm the founder of the Podcast Award. So if you're not familiar with that, voting is wrapping up right now uh, with that for the seventh, 17th annual, I guess that's where we're at. But what I want to talk about today is initially one thing. What does success look like in podcasting? And I think that's up to each and every one of us on what we consider success to be. Is it exposure, authority, engagement, fame, a lead funnel? Is the goal monetization? Because I truly believe if you're doing a podcast today, the first thing you really need to do is set that goal. And if you haven't set a goal for your show, you need to set the goal. What you determine is success is really key because nothing else matters. And there's no rules in podcasting. You can do whatever you want when you're building your show to find your success. A lot of people focus on monetization. Mine in the early days was a little bit of that because my wife told me, if you don't figure out how to monetize this in two years, you're done. What I was originally wanting to do was build authority in the tech space. And I built that authority over time by attending trade shows and a variety of different other things and 3,000 interviews and you know, a lengthy work to become a, an authority in the tech space. That was before the, even the podcasting thing ever kicked off for me. So my goal was, again, authority and monetization. So you have to really determine what your goal is. And then that's a really a simple formula. It's a very, very simple formula in podcasting. But most of you, well, let's say 50% of you, maybe, maybe the number's less than that because you're here, but let's just talk about a simple fact about podcasters today. 50% of podcasters never make it to episode 7. Additional 50% of those remaining never make it to episode 20. Those that do typically will make it two years. 
So the formula is simple. You got to find your voice and you have to rinse, wash, dry, repeat. And what I mean by that is you got to do the grind. You got to create your content on a regular basis. You got to keep moving. You can't stop. You can't take a break. And a lot of people will really yell at me when I say, oh, you got to take, got to take a break. Uh, I don't think so when you're new. But let's talk about the first fundamental step that I truly believe in makes a huge difference. It starts with a website. I've been talking about this for 16, 17 years consistently, and there's a reason for it. You build your brand on your .com. You never build, say, you build a castle on rented land. You build your brand on your .com. Doesn't mean if it's Wix, WordPress, Squarespace, I don't care. You have to build your brand on your .com. And there is no, and I'll repeat it again, no substitute for a dedicated website. Your podcast host, their website is not a substitute. We have people at Blueberry that publish to a landing page, similar to a Twitter page, Instagram page. We allow them to do that because that's what they want. But we want them to graduate. Also, if you have a website that's being hosted by a platform that auto-generates a website from your RSS feed, Google considers that a syndication site. It doesn't consider it original point of origin, regardless if you map a domain to it or not. You have to be the point of origin for your content. It doesn't matter who you host with. I run a hosting company, but the main point is, I want you to host your show on your.com and be the original point of where that episode post originates, not in your podcast provider. That's not the place for that because really what you're trying to do is you're trying to teach Google where, the, where your show originates. And so why, again, why do you need a, a website? Well, I call mine Moonbase Alpha. It's kind of dumb. I'm a geek. But it really, it's a place to call home. We want them to listen on Spotify. We want to listen to Apple Podcasts. We want to listen to Google Podcasts. We want them to listen wherever your podcast is distributed. But during your show, you have to let them know where your show originates. A show doesn't originate unless you have a, 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 a site of authority is your.com or your.show, your.edu, whatever it may be. So you really, again, you bring them back there for content, for funnel, for mailing list, all those things that we're trying to do with the goal of the show. We don't care where they listen, but again, it's a part of the ability to at least have a place to build a brand. Again, discovery, inbound, outbound traffic, monetization, funnel, community. And again, I keep coming back to Google because that's part of my success strategy is really making Google understand that this is a place where there's content of value. Send people that don't know about me to my website so they can subscribe to my podcast. So again, discovery is a big piece of this as well. People often say, um, I'm having a hard time being found. I'm having a hard time being discovered. Well, you record your content for your audience. I'm going to say this again. You record your content for your audience. You write your show notes for Google, Bing, etc. 
because oftentimes the audience members don't necessarily come back to the website, but we're trying to do is find those new listeners. And you don't have a content discovery problem, you have a content search problem. And anymore, we can search for a podcast by name, and you'll find it on your host, you'll find it on Apple Podcasts, you'll find it on Spotify. That's not the problem. It's the episode discovery. The show discovery as a name is not an issue, but when you're using Google today, are you searching for a show or are you searching for a topic? So the topic is key in winning the episode search battle. Let's talk a little bit about that before I get into some examples. You need descriptive titles, and boy, do I see some crazy ones. What is a descriptive title? A descriptive title, remember I said you record for your audience, you write for Google? A descriptive title is what you would search to find your episode in Google. It's really, really key. You write that title based upon what you think someone would search for in Google to find that episode. Number two, you have to reinforce that title with a great description. That first paragraph better back up that title in a big, big way. Now, for those of you that are new, with 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 episodes, and you're doing this work, this is not a race. This is a marathon. My website, I've got 16,000 total blog posts. Of those, about 1,600 to 2,000 of them are actually podcast episodes. There's a lot of content there for Google to chew on. And part of my strategy as well is those that I've interviewed, when I'm putting their information in the show notes, I ask for a backlink. Matter of fact, I don't ask, I demand for a backlink. So many of you probably interviewed someone, you sent them over your Twitter, you sent them over your Facebook link, you sent them all of your Instagram stuff, but did you send them the link to that blog post to have them link from their site back to you? That is the most valuable thing that you can get from someone that you interview is a link back to the episode because if that person was good enough to be on your show, they're an authority in something. And maybe Google thinks they're authority as well. And when that person says, hey, I like Todd's episode because he links to it or she links to it, you win. Rinse, wash, repeat. You do this 20, 50, 100, 500 times. All of a sudden, Search traffic to your website is going to start increasing. Plus, if you own your own website, you control the SEO, you build your brand, you control your IP. Again, it doesn't matter what type of website you use. This is part of the strategy. And again, this is one strategy of building a show, and I'll get into some more. All right, so Google search is number one, I think it is. Uh, for podcast discovery. We all know we've got friends, family, people are recommending the shows. You know, that's the best. And when you tell someone, oh, I found a cool show, we'll go listen to it. And our friends will subscribe and follow the podcast. But in the end, this is free. Google will send you traffic for free. You don't have to have a recommendation. So what do I show here? This is a recent episode I wrote on my tech show, the title was Deep Fakes Poses a Growing Danger. 
about uh, a week or two later in Google search results, deep fakes pose a growing danger, number one in the search results. For the episode, not the title of the show. What did that gain me in traffic? Eh, probably 100, 200, maybe 300 click-throughs from Google. But again, if we're doing this effectively, over time, a percentage of people that land on my webpage will also say, huh, he's got a podcast. Let me check out the podcast. Let me follow. Let me subscribe. Let me see what's going on. A percentage will, and a percentage that actually follows subscribe will listen to you one time and say, uh, I don't like that content, moving on. But again, if you want to build, continue to build audience, this is just one way to do so. Here's another one, and we're trying to read the title here. What is, a, what is sovereign data? Again, I didn't win that one uh, in the search results, but I was like three, four down. Still, I showed up in the first page of the search results. And again, episode after episode after episode, you build that traffic that's coming back to the episode that people are going to click on, and you're going to gain listeners. The thing that drives me the most crazy, some of you like to get real pretty with your websites. Real pretty, but no function. When you land on a website, how many of you have done this? You go on there, see, so you scan the page, you say, oh, that's not for me, and you're out. If you look at your Google web analytics, you're going to know that most people stay in your website two, three seconds. That's what time you have. You don't have time for them to scroll you have to put information in front of them immediately that makes them say, hmm, there's something different here. So I don't run a fancy website. I run a two-column website. But what do I have there? I have multiple ways for them to engage. Subscribe to the podcast. I've got a link in the text. I've got links in the player. I've got my sponsor link. I've got my newsletter link. All that information is right there for them to take an action I'm not scrolling half a page up to get past the pretty picture on the top of your website. I'm not scrolling half a page to get past your player that's on the front of your webpage with no function that where you can't subscribe or follow to a podcast. You need to have functional, a functional website. Again, you record for your audience. You write for Google, and then when someone comes here, you've got to give them the opportunity to make an action. Because if you don't, they're gone. How many, how many actually click through? My website gets between 20 and 200,000 web search hits a day, and a little less than 1% actually follow or subscribe. If you get your calculators out and do the math, and you repeat that day after day after day, guess what that equals? New listeners. Some stay, some don't. But again, it's all about driving traffic to the website for discovery. All right, so I've beat you up enough on the website stuff. And we all know the rest of this. So some of this is, should not be in, uh, something that you're going to have to learn. But you need to hang out where your audience is. But when you hang out where your audience is, be a resource. Every time I record my podcast, I have a list of topics that I have covered in that episode that I keep in a spreadsheet. So when I'm on a website and someone says something about a topic that I've covered... I will give them a link to the specific episode and time hack in that episode so that I'm not promoting, I'm being a resource. 
Each of you are going to have to find out where your audiences hang out. Are they on Instagram? Are they on Twitch? Are they on Twitter? Are they on YouTube? Are they on Facebook? Are they on TikTok? You've got to go and hang out with them. And don't be a, you know, don't be a self-promoter. We see this all the time in the podcast forums and on Facebook, and it drives me crazy. I'm like, podcasters talking to podcasters about their show. We got our own shows to build. We don't have time to be looking at other, other people's podcasts. We have, we have to work on our own stuff to build our own audiences. Recording and publishing is not enough. Social's not enough. And I've got a full list here, and I can spend an hour on each one of these. But sustain superior content is, is key. It really, really is. Um, I do two episodes a week with my Geekness Central podcast. I do one show a week with the New Media Show. I do one show a week with Podcast Insider. Sometimes I'm really not into it. And when I'm sick, I don't feel good. Basically, I take the show off. But I've been doing this for a long, long time. If you're under two years of doing a show, you, you, you drink a Red Bull, do some jumping jacks, get that episode out. Because you have to be there for them. That sustained, consistent content, you have to be for them. And I'll talk about that a little more later. When you're recording your episodes, you're essentially writing a book. Every one of your episodes that you do has something that can transfer to a book. I recommend writing a book. I wrote a book in 2005 on podcasting. It sold 45,000 copies before there was Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. None of that existed. How did I promote the book? In the podcast. And they told other people, told other podcasters about it. So consider writing a book. Uh, one of the big things for me was attending trade shows. I went to trade shows in my genre. I went to the CES show where I met other techies and did interviews and got extra content for my tech audience. Or go to events in your content genre. It's beautiful you're here, but each and one of you talk about different subjects. If you're a business show, you need to go to some sort of business event where you can go and intermingle with business people, get interviews, build authority, promote your podcast, Solicit radio appearances. And I'll tell you what happened with me. This is an interesting one. I was living in Hawaii for 25 years and moved back to Michigan in 2019. And believe me, we can talk about that, but we're not going to right now. But every time I had a hit episode 50, 100, 200, 250, I told the radio station, hey, I'm celebrating a, a milestone. And sometimes radio stations are looking for Phil just as TV is. And often or not, I actually got radio spots and television spots basically because I hit a milestone because they were looking for two minutes of fill. Two minutes of fill, rinse, wash, repeat again and again and again, and all of a sudden you're getting more exposure. When I was going to the CES show, I did this interview, um, and it got the attention of BBC. And they said, where do you live? I said, I live in Hawaii. He said, we'd love to have you on BBC Pacific on an occasion to talk about tech, pot, uh, tech content. And I said, fabulous. So they would call me at 2 o'clock in the morning in Hawaii and say, hey, we want you on BBC Asia. Can you talk about this? And didn't care what the topic was. I said, I'll be ready in 15 minutes. I would go Google that topic if I had no idea what it was even talking about to be ready to give them a two-minute splice in BBC Asia. So there's lots of opportunities that can come up where you can get exposure. 
Obviously, speaking locally is a great place to start. If you're not used to speaking to groups, Lions Club, local community events. Get out there and speak and do that time to basically get those skills honed in speaking. Then go nationally. My first national event, I went to, uh, to Vegas, and I talked in front of the National Teachers Association. And there was like 5,000 teachers. And I'm speaking my first national event, and I was nervous. You imagine 5,000 people in an auditorium and put down a presentation for 30 minutes. You know, damn near wet my pants. So it's one of those situations, though, where you do this enough and can speak nationally, you promote your podcast, and you promote what you do, and you'll be able to grow your show. Joining a podcast network, um, I think it's pretty evident now. I started a podcast network in 2005. It was a tech show network. Started with 13 shows. It's now about 100 shows. In those early days, we were doing about 11 million downloads across 100 shows. That was a lot, and we monetized those shows. So if you're going to join a network, always read Defied Print. Make sure it shows that you can get along with, that you can have your reputation maintained by having your content beside that, those shows. So joining a network is probably pretty valuable right now because what are all the big networks doing? They're cross-promoting each other. They're having value in bringing in monetization for the entire network. So there's value in joining a network if you find a good one. But again, read the fine print. Connect with companies. Because I was doing a tech show, well, every tech company I talked about, I outreached to them and asked for that backlink. Some gave it to me, some didn't. But over time, built the traffic. And of course, leverage your audience. In 2005, I had gotten a sponsor, GoDaddy was a sponsor of my show, and she said, after we'd been advertised for a month, they wanted to renew for a year, we went through a negotiation on how much she was going to pay for the show for a year, and then a crucial word, she says, do you anybody else would like to have advertising in their podcast? Now, this is early. This, there's not too much advertising going on yet. And I said, yes, I do. And in my mind, I said, there's a business here. So how did I leverage my audience? I'm running a tech show. So on my next podcast, I said, I'm looking for a lawyer, an MBA, a graphics guy, and a programmer. If you're one of those and you love this show, we're having a meeting in 10 days to talk about a business idea. Blueberry Podcasting was formed from listeners of my show. We formed the company over the phone. All right, didn't see each other for six months and wrote a check to a lawyer that's still with the team, of course, that we started a company that way. You don't have to do that, but you can also say, I need someone to help me with social. I need to help someone to help me with show production. I need to have someone help me with show notes. I need to have someone to do outreach. Many of you are hiring VAs. Why? Why are you hiring VAs? When your audience already loves you, leverage your audience and have them help you be duplicated. We all want to be cloned. I wish I had 10. So who do you clone from? You clone from the audience that loves you the most, and that's your own audience. Have them do this stuff for you. For me, I did my show production for years all by myself because I was one of the hardcore guys that said, I gotta walk the walk, talk the talk, I gotta do this. Matter of fact, I didn't take a paycheck from Raw Voice until 2019. 
my podcast paid me and my family to be able to live in Hawaii. Now, granted, I'm retired military, so I had a re retired military uh, retirement. So that helped. But for me to step in front of this stage and talk to you, I had to walk the walk. So it finally got too much, running a company and trying to do everything. And I hired someone to do pre-production. Found a brother from another mother on my show. He does all my production. He's been doing it for five years. He thinks like I think. We were on the same level. So it saved me three hours of production time. I pay him, pay him well. So leverage your audience. Again, this is really, really important. And, and being able to build your show and, and be able to have, because most of us don't have a budget. How many have a budget to pay for an editor, VA, social promotion person? I don't know about you, but the economy's kind of tight right now. Gas has went up. So use your audience to help you out. Again, being part of a network can help build backlinks. And again, work with like-minded shows. When we launched this network, the requirement was you had to be family safe, and you had to produce an episode once a week. And it worked out well. We did very well with that network for a long time. This is the one that gets him in trouble. No break for the first two years. Why? Why no break for the first two years? Podcast listeners build you into their lives. And if you leave them hanging and take a break, they're going somewhere else. If you're Oprah, you can take a break. If you're a celebrity, you can take a break. If you're a person trying to build authority and build a podcast and grow a show, you can't take a break. If you're going to do a season... Season one ends on Friday. Season two begins the following Monday. Okay, I, this is, some of you are going, <gasps> right? Because you don't want to do that. You want to take a break. For the first two years, you cannot take a break because this, by my statistics data, which I have access to about over 100,000 shows, the trajectory you gain in the first two years is going to set you up for what happens in year three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One to two episodes a week, if you want to grow. None of you have this goal. Some of you have a goal of hanging out with a friend, drinking a beer. That's cool. Again, it goes back to the goal that you have for your show and what you want to accomplish with it. Okay? This is going to go in the face of what a lot of people say. This is my strategy. I didn't take a break for seven years with one exception. I'll talk about that in a minute. Again, Listeners build you into lives, don't leave them hanging. Now, how well do you know your audience? I've told this story many, many times. I'm getting ready to celebrate my 200th episode. All prepped, I'm at work, the phone rings. My dad has been killed in an automobile accident. It was before Twitter, before Facebook. So I, I recorded a short episode, I said... No episode 200 tonight. We'll do it when I get back. I got to go bury my dad. See you in 10 days. That's what I put out. Didn't want to leave him hanging. There was, where I lived was a rural community. Internet sucked. Matter of fact, it still sucks. Thank God for Starlink. Um, 
I went and buried my dad, took care of business there, came back in 10 days, and I came home and opened my email folder, and I had over 5,000 emails of condolences. And this is when I really realized your audience knows you better than anybody else because you're talking to them, you're in their head, you have an established relationship with them. So do not underestimate your community. Your community will be there for you. They will help you if you ask them to do things when you have a sponsor. And if they trust you, they will do it. This is the thing I think a lot of podcasters forget is that you're having an intimate one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone. You have to talk to the masses, but you better be talking to them during their show. I have a little note on my monitor. And it said, audience of one. To remind myself, when I record my episode, I'm talking to one person. Even though the show is reaching a large mass, you have to give them that feel that you're talking directly to them. Another thing, how much time I got? I'm good. Um, you never know who is listening. This was in the early days when Apple had introduced the first Mac Mini. Anybody ever, did anyone buy the first Mac Mini? The first Mac Mini sucked. <laughs> it sucked. It sucked so bad that I said during my show, if I could just talk to Steve Jobs for 15 minutes, I would tell him exactly what I thought. About two weeks later, my phone rang. Mr. Cochran, yes, I have Steve Jobs for you. Huh? Click. Steve Jobs, Todd, tell me about your Mac Mini. So Steve Jobs and I had a discussion for 15 minutes about the Mac Mini and some other things. So you never know who's listening. Rob Greenlee and I do the new media show. And we know there's lots of people listening that never will tell us they're listening. But we see actions happen within the community that are based upon conversations that we've had during the show. Another example is, and some of you aren't going to like the person I'm going to talk about, but our former president, I had a uh, guy that called us up and said, hey, uh, we want to do a podcast. Um, it was basically around the Trump show where people were getting fired. can't remember what it's called. And um, you're, yeah, you're fired or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I told him, you can't do that show. The show's copyrighted. He said, we'll have Trump organization call you. Okay, that's the last time I'm ever going to hear from them. And Trump called me a couple of weeks later and had listened to three of my episodes and said, we like what you guys are doing in podcasting. It's going to be great what these guys are going to do. We'll sign off on it. But he went and listened to two or three of my episodes to validate who I was before he was willing to, to give permission for that group to do a show that was a spinoff. So you never, again, you never know who's listening. This is a marathon, not a drag race. Finding your true voice will take time. I don't think any of you will find your real true voice until maybe episode 50 or so. I don't think I found my true voice, and I'm at 1,600 and something. Because we always learn, and sometimes we fall into ruts. So always listen to yourself, check yourself, check your content, ask for feedback. Perfecting your show will take time. For the majority of us, we will pound our head against the wall, thinking, what am I doing wrong? 
And it's, it's a big reason people quit podcasting. And re- again, I think a big part of it is, again, you have to be consistent. You have to be doing all these other things besides just recording your show. I call it the grind. In Hawaii, we go grind. That means go eat. But grind is the thing you have to do in podcasting to build your show if you're, if you're an unknown. You have to build trust. You always have to be honest. So building your show will take time. All right, so action item number one. Great content titles and supporting show notes. I see your show notes. You guys don't write show notes. You guys suck at writing show notes. Look at your own shows. Look if you wrote a good follow-up to the title of the episode. If you think Google's going to gurgitate that and put you in the index, then you're probably okay. But if it's thin, you're going to have a problem. You're not going to grow. Make it easy to subscribe, follow, contact you. It's, it's critical. I come to, if, you, if you can't load your website and subscribe to your podcast in 15 seconds without clicking to another page, you failed. Some of you bury your player on page two. Some of you bury your, page, your, your subscription links on page two. And by the way, there's more to podcasting than Apple and Spotify. There's over 100 different apps that consume podcasts today. So you better be inclusive of Android users. Make sure you have something other than Spotify for your Android users to subscribe to your show by. Give them every opportunity. Never discourage someone. Personally, I don't care about Spotify. They're not doing anything for me. It's where few people go listen. So make sure you're, you're promoting multiple places to subscribe to your show. Action number three. Again, ask for those backlinks. If you don't get those backlinks, matter of fact, if they don't promise a backlink, don't interview them. Why waste your time? Because... Your audience comes for you more than they come for your guest. But that backlink is super valuable. When Rob and I have a guest on the new media show, our numbers go down. When it's just him and I solo, the numbers go up. So don't discount your value to your audience. This is a, if, if, if you can't load your website on a mobile device and subscribe or follow to your show or play your episode, you're not mobile first. Ensure your website is mobile first. That's the rule. That's what Google looks at now. They don't care about the web page on the desktop. They care about what it looks like in mobile and how fast it loads. That's a whole nother hour. Again, establish that social presence where your audience hangs out. Said it already. Recording, publishing, social is not enough. This is a bonus slide. And I don't, I've told this story a number of times over the years now. And I think it's important to understand the value. That is my sponsor page, geeknewcentral.com forward slash GoDaddy. I've said that eight bajillion times on my show. It's linked everywhere on my website. Anyone garner to know how much that webpage alone is worth? Give me a number. Over 17 years of sponsorship, how much do you think that page is worth? A million? Two million dollars? 
$3.5 million is what that page is worth. Because that page has been on my website where I have directed my audience to go pick up GoDaddy products and services. And in turn, over those years of sponsorship, some months it's lower, some months it's higher. But that's, and I'm doing this to brag. So don't get that, I'm just trying to show you guys the value of what a website can drive for your show. Why, again, continuous audience growth, ongoing sponsor support, opportunities outside podcasting, you build your brand, and again, the value of that page. The page has been online 13 years. I get a lot of traffic to that page that are not a listener. But Godi doesn't care. As long as they're a new customer, I still get credit. They don't have to take a direct action because you asked them in the podcast. But if you build value and you build traffic to a website that supports your sponsor, dun da da da. All right. Anybody want this deck thing? Send it to me. I'm Todd at Blueberry.com. I've got five minutes and 50 seconds for questions. And Frank, I know Frank. Matter of fact, if you guys are in the Jersey area, get to know Frank. He does a great podcast event every year. Go ahead, Frank. Uh, hi, Scott. Uh, some of you guys don't realize who you have talking here. You guys have had the stuff he forgot I haven't even learned yet. And I own New Pod City, which is New Jersey's only podcast hosting company. So thank you, Todd, for, for being here and sharing with us, man. This is uh, really good stuff. Uh, also, just to, I just want to echo, and I have a question. The echo is... As far as you never know who's listening, just real quick to, to kind of encourage you with this. Uh, my wife mentions Jim Beam on one episode. Three hours later, we get a phone call from Beam Suntory. They're now one of our, one of our sponsors for our show because we were, we were just having fun with the name. So they actually sponsored the after party at Podstock. And question, you talk about the, uh, the source point. Uh, uh, you have your website is the source point for the file. As a hosting company, obviously we host, we're the source point. So what do you, what do you mean exactly by okay. that? So it doesn't care where you meet if I was hosted. Give me Libsyn, Podbean, Blueberry, Red Circle, wherever your media file is. It doesn't matter. Where the origin point is for your post, for your episode, better not be on Podbean, better not be on Libsyn. It better, it better be on your website. If they're controlling your RSS feed, you have no control. You have to post on their website, and their source of that media file of your RSS feed begins at your hosting provider. So, no, you don't have to host your own media, and you don't necessarily have to host your own feed. I recommend it but you have to have the origin point for that episode. So if, if, if your hosting provider allows you to upload your media file, and then you link to it from your website, and you create your own RSS feed through one of the multiple plugins, including ours, you know, full disclosure, it gives you a little bit of an edge. Again, the media doesn't really matter. It's really where Google determines the source of your content to originate. Are you the point of origin for that episode? Uh, go ahead. I guess I'm next. Um, I want to follow up on this question because I'm not quite clear. And excuse me, I might be tired. But um, <clears throat> so, are you talking about? Is are you talking? Is this issue not? So we're hosted on Megaphone. Um, web, the website's DemonaHoffman.com. So is the issue 
sharing that uh, megaphone link to your listeners or versus why, sharing the DemonaHoffman.com post Why would link? you ever share megaphones link? I mean, we don't, but I just want to be clear <laughs> that's what you're saying. The first next question is, why is your show duplicated on megaphone? What do you mean? Why you have a dual post? Why are, or, see... Well, I think maybe maybe this will clear it up. Uh, when I say post, I'm talking about like a blog post that yeah. kind of is like a written version of it. Yeah, the blog post should be on your.com. It is. Okay, so then you're good. If okay. that's where you originally post, you're, you're good. Okay, good. Yeah. Thank you. And I think to expand upon that so you guys aren't confused, we have the same issue at Blueberry. There's people that have a landing page on Blueberry. Google considers that the point of origin for the show. As soon as they become, have a WordPress site or whatever they're using, we depreciate that when they're hosting on their own website so that search result doesn't end up number one. That's what we do at Blueberry, but the key really is, is getting Google to come to your site. That's the key. Hey, thanks for your generosity and for being here. Appreciate your insights. Is there a length, you've seen this for 17 years, is there a, a length of a podcast that's ideal in frequency? Nope, as long as you don't keep them, value your listeners' time as much as you can. Don't waste their time. Doesn't matter if it's three hours, doesn't matter if it's 20 minutes, don't waste their time. So if it's relevant content to that audience, no problem with how long the If you feel is. it's engaging, but if you're feeling like you're struggling to continue the episode, it's time to punch out. Awesome, thank you so yeah. much. Gentleman in the back. Hi, thank you. This is going to seem like an ignorant question, but what is a backlink? A backlink is when someone takes the link. Okay, so um, as an example, geeknesscentral.com forward slash GoDaddy, we'll just use that as an example. When someone on another website or social writes a post and puts that link linking back to your page, that builds authority because Google will see that and say, oh, there's a backlink. That, that site or that individual is giving credence to this individual's episode and allow you to grow up in that so that you may not end up on page one initially, but over time you, you'll creep up. And I don't win every search result, don't get me wrong. Sometimes CNET or TechMeme or something like that beats the crap out of me from a um, search response time or a search result standpoint from my show. But I really try to work that very, very hard to make sure that I get in that first page of search results on Google. So I hope you guys found this of value. And uh, if you have any questions, I'm around the whole show down at the Blueberry booth. Stop down and see us. Thank you so much.